Welcome to the big show. He could go all the way. Oh, America, are you serious? It is showtime, baby. Here we go. Podcast. I am your host, Josh Blair. You can follow us at Leafs Lunatic on Twitter or send us emails to leafslunatic at gmail.com. That's L E A F S L U N A T I C. Well, we've been tracking the Leafs all year and we're going to continue to track the Leafs. And we like to start with positives on this show. So a positive was the Leafs winning last night after a major defeat against the LA Kings 7-0 a few days prior. They bounced back to beat the Flyers 6-3. And a huge positive out of that game were the players who got their first goals of the year, which will hopefully boost the offense even more than it has been already this year. Komarov got his first of the season. He had a season best of 19 goals last year. Starting off a little late this year to catch up to that total. And playing a completely different role on more of a third line defensive role. We had Zach Hyman score one of the, one of the dirty goals that he usually does. Just like last season we saw him always around the net. He has no hands. He has no shot, but if a puck's bouncing in and around the crease, he's able to hop on it and bat it in once in a while. So he got his first as well. Morgan Riley scored a beauty. He's got a great wrist shot. Scored on the five on three. Great to see him get on the board finally. We also saw Martin Marincin get his first goal of the season. Finally getting on the scoreboard. He won't score a lot. Uh, it was another great play set up by Morgan Riley. Beauty little drop pass and just a clapper. Went right through everybody for Martin Marincin. Morgan Riley had four points on the night. Goal and three primary assists. So great night for Morgan Riley. Wish I didn't drop him in my fantasy pool when he has nights like those. So those are some of the positives that we've seen from the Leafs in the last little bit. One of the positives with the Leafs this year is their ability to bounce back from major losses. So we have the game the other night against Philly after they were just absolutely blown out by the LA Kings a few nights prior, 7 to nothing. And if you look at some of their other losses, they lose badly to the New York Islanders, but they bounce back. They lose badly to Tampa Bay, but they bounce back. And so it's good to see this resilience. They really haven't gone on a major slump this year. They've been able to bounce back from bad losses. And one of the things that we really like to see with them 
is the amount of pressure they've been putting all season. They're one of the top shot-producing teams in the NHL. But we're starting to see a trend in the last number of games, at least the last half dozen, where the Leafs are giving up 35 to 45 shots a game. And they're not going to be able to continue to win and put up the points that they're putting up when they're giving up this amount of shots. Can't win every game 6-5. to five. And this is a problem for Freddie Anderson, who I think is going to be a hot topic throughout the whole season. He can't play every night when he has to face 45 shots. He's, he's never going to get his save percentage up. He's never going to keep his goals against average below a 3 when he's facing that amount of shots. So at least really have to figure something out defensively to get the puck out of their end, which has been a problem. And that's one of the reasons that they keep getting all these shots on net is they just fumble the puck around in their own end for so long. So they have to figure something out with their defense in that way. And Anderson, this hot topic, no matter whether he plays well or he plays bad, he's going to be topic of discussion just because of that contract that they signed him to, five years, $25 million. And right now, he has one of the worst save percentages in the league for a goalie with the amount of starts that he's had. Um, right now, his stats, he has a 337 goals against average and an 898 save percentage, which is pretty brutal for a goalie who is paid as though he's one of the top goaltenders in the league. And obviously... It's not all on him. The defense is just such a problem for these Leafs. And even with that record, you see that his wins and losses, he's got a 6-3-3. So his stats that way look pretty good. And he's helped by the offense on this team. The Leafs are just putting up a ton of goals every night, and they're basically helping Anderson because there's no way that this team's going to win a 2-1 to game. They just don't have the defense or the goaltending to be able to do that. The Leafs really have to figure out what they're going to do on the back end. There's talk tonight that Corrado might finally get in against Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, I find it kind of laughable. It took him half the year last season before he even got in a game with the Leafs after they claimed him off of waivers from... Vancouver Canucks. He's born and raised around Toronto. He grew up a diehard Leafs fan, a Leafs lunatic himself. All he wants to do is play hockey, and even better to play for the team he grew up loving. But Babcock hates him. For whatever reason, he doesn't see him as an NHL player. Uh, management clearly has a bit more faith in him as they claimed him, and they've kept him around. But he's 23 years old. He's not getting any playing time. It's hard to develop your career when you're never on the ice playing in real games. And it would be nice to see him get in tonight. There is talk of it, but again, it's really hard to believe that that's actually going to happen when it just continues to not happen. He continues to be a healthy scratch. 
And if they try to send him down to the Marlies, there's a chance he'll get claimed on waivers. Which, I don't see why they wouldn't make that attempt for his own sake. Because they're not playing him here, so why do you care if you lose him to waivers? You got him for nothing. If you lose him for nothing, it really doesn't matter when he's never playing for you. So the Crotto watch is on. What's going to happen with him will be very interesting. And it's not like these Leafs have a great defensive core. They probably have one of the worst defensive cores in the entire league. And Corrado can't even crack the lineup there. So it doesn't really say much for Corrado's future in the NHL. But, I mean, you have Martin Marincin getting in there practically every night. It would be nice to see maybe Corrado flip out for him. I know Babcock likes him. He's got that long stick. He's tall. He's lanky. But he plays like he's five foot five. He can't knock people over. He doesn't like to play a physical game. You know, he doesn't even want to tie up sticks in front of the net. Remember that goal against the Winnipeg Jets where Line A just turned around and snapped it in. Line A, a rookie, Martin Marincin, just stood there in front of the net and let him basically undress him. And Crotto can't even get in for, for Marincin. The other night for the LA Kings... Marincin was a minus four. And so was Connor Carrick. But at least Carrick, who actually happens to be probably about five foot eight, maybe, he actually plays as though he's six foot five. He hits, he's physical, he can skate with the puck, uh, he shows a lot more confidence and poise out there. And although he was a minus four against the LA Kings, his defensive lapses aren't as noticeable as Martin Marincin. And this is the topic of discussion the whole year, is what are the Leafs going to do about this defense? And Truba is probably not going to happen. He signed back with Winnipeg, albeit two-year deal, bridge contract. I think it's something like $3 million a year. It's not a lot. But that type of deal gives Winnipeg a lot of room to play with in terms of trading him. But I just don't think the Leafs have the right prospects to offer to Winnipeg to be able to get Truba. They want a high-end defenseman that compares them, and the Leafs really don't have that other than Morgan Riley. And they're not getting rid of Morgan Riley for Truba. And Truba probably wouldn't even want to play for Toronto. He's an American player, and it sounds like he wants out of Winnipeg. Maybe he wants out of this country, and he wants back to the States. Who knows? So he's pretty much off the board. Making a trade for a high-end NHL defenseman in this league is really hard to do. We saw it with Subban and Shea Weber, but I was a one-off. And those are two elite, elite defensemen being traded one for one. And it wouldn't make sense for the Leafs to trade Riley in that sort of way. They want to build around Riley. He's wearing the A right now, and he's going to continue to wear it. He could potentially be the captain in the future. They need another bona fide top two pairing defenseman to play with Riley. And that way they could put Zaitsev with Gardner and then do whatever they want to do on that bottom pairing. But it doesn't seem like the Leafs are going to be able to do much 
in terms of trade this year. So this is probably the defensive core we're going to see the whole year. And it makes it really interesting what they're going to do going forward. Over the past few years, the Leafs have really drafted and are trying to develop these really small but highly skilled and intelligent players. Um, players who aren't very physical, but players who have the ability to put pucks in the net. And we're already seeing that from the Leafs' three rookies in Marner, Matthews, and Nylander. They're leading the team in points. And going forward, I think the Leafs are going to need to start developing and drafting high-level defensemen. And right now, where the Leafs stand, they're just a few points out of a wild card spot. But they're only two points up from being, you know, bottom three in the conference. So it projected the Leafs to sort of be maybe hovering around a playoff spot. It's sort of on the higher end of positive, more than likely being one of the bottom teams in the conference again. And so if you look at some of the 2017 draft projections, right around the 10th pick, right now they have Nicholas Hag plays for the Mississauga Steelheads of the OHL. He's a six foot six defenseman, and he plays with a bit of grit. He runs the power play. He won the OHL's academic award last season. And some scouts, they have a bit of concern about his skating ability, while others say that, you know, he is a number, a top 10 pick and his skating isn't an issue. Uh, it's a little bit scary drafting someone that big. As we've seen with other defensemen, Tyler Myers took a long time to develop into what he is now. Uh, even Jared Cowan, who the Leafs had, and he's never going to play again in the NHL, it seems very tall defenseman who can't skate. And you look at some of the other players Leafs have drafted in the past under the Burke regime, forwards and defensemen who are just huge, but they'll never make it into the NHL because the speed of the game has changed so much that if you can't skate, you just can't make it. So if his skating of Nicholas Hag is truly a concern, then he's a risky pick to take because the Leafs really can't afford to not capitalize on a defenseman in the draft next year. They have to capitalize on some of them. At the 13th spot, there's Cal Foote, plays for the Kelowna Rockets. He's another pretty big defenseman, not as big. He's a son of Adam Foote, so he's probably got some of that natural ability just in his genes. He's a sound defensive player, but he can also chip in offensively. Apparently he has a great shot from the point which is something the Leafs really lack right now. And he's a great passer. So they also mentioned that he's loved by his teammates and captain material. So there's nothing wrong with having another leader on the Leafs team in someone like Cal Foote. So these are just two of the potentials that the Leafs might have going forward in drafting defensemen. It's going to be really interesting to see what they're going to do next year how they're going to try to shore up this defensive core. I think it's going to drive Babcock nuts if they keep giving up this amount of shots on net. It's going to drive Babcock nuts if they keep giving up four goals a game. He's going to want to see some change. The only unfortunate thing is drafting a 
defenseman. It usually takes them a couple of years to develop at least. Riley got into the league pretty young, but it's so rare these days, especially for defensemen. So it could be a couple of years before we even see some of the draft picks get into the Leafs lineup. And right now there's really no world turners in the Marlies for defensemen. I mentioned Nielsen earlier in the season. He looked pretty good in in camp, but I don't think he's going to be a top-pairing defenseman. I don't think Valiev or anyone else, Louv, on, on the Marlies is going to be a top-pairing defenseman. So the Leafs really need to find that. It's going to be through the draft, and it's just a matter of how long is it going to take until that player is actually in the Leafs lineup. And if it's a couple of years, boy, it's going to be tough to watch because we just know what we're lacking and there's really nothing that we can do to change it at this point. It's just a matter of waiting it out. But having said that, getting back to some of the offense, Kadri looks like he's having a career year. He's already got seven goals. It took him till January last year to get to seven goals. So he might be putting up one of his best seasons in terms of points. And I think overall play, we saw him shut down Connor McDavid when the Leafs overcame the hot Oilers and when Kadri gets the ability to play in that sort of physical role that shutdown role and he really embraces his role he plays really well when he's physical when he's mentally involved in the game he seems to really put up points and be a difference maker and when he doesn't feel like he has that role in a game, or he maybe isn't given the reins like he was in some of the previous games, he really does nothing. But it's good to see the way he's been playing so far. And a little bit of a cause for concern over the last half a dozen games or so, we've seen the line of Matthews, Nylander, and Hyman completely dry up. They really haven't done a lot. Last night, at least, we saw... Matthews get that point when Hyman tapped in off the crossbar shot from Matthews. Willie's sort of been thrown around. Uh, he's been playing on the bottom pairing. He's been benched. He's just not getting into the game. He's not playing the two-way game that Babcock likes to see, and he's just losing one-on-one -on -one battles. And he seems like he's going to be a streaky player. The Leafs had that in Kessel type of guy who can go a few games just sniping it like crazy, which we saw out of Willie for a few games, and then just go cold for half a dozen games. So it'll be interesting to see if Babcock keeps that line together, continually moves it around, shakes things up. Right now we have Austin Matthews at a minus five, Willie's minus one, and Hyman's minus four. We might attribute uh, the higher minus one for Willie, because of the fact he's been moved around, it just hasn't been on the ice as much, which is why Matthews and Hyman are getting scored on more often, but I'd like to see those numbers come up. Five on five, they have to be better. They haven't put up very many points at all this season, five on five on that line. It's really all come from the power play, so they got to shore that up. And I really love Austin Matthews. I think he's a great player. I think he's going to be one of the top players in the league for a long time in the next few years. But something that really frustrates me with him 
And one of the reasons that I wouldn't want to see him as a captain for the Leafs, at least not if he continues to play the way he does now, is he stick checks out there like it's peewee. If you told Austin Matthews that Donald Trump was going to deport his mom back to Mexico if he didn't make a hit, I don't think he'd make that hit. You see him going to the boards and he puts his stick out and he could finish a check and maybe make a turnover, but he doesn't. He stops up every time. And it's frustrating to see when there are certain times when he should be playing the body and he just doesn't. And without that type of aggression or that physicality, it just seems like there's something lacking in his motivation. Clearly he wants to win. Clearly he's one of the most competitive players you don't become a first overall pick if you're not. But it really would be nice to see him make a hit once in a while. You've even seen it out of Marner, who's about 6 inches shorter and 80 pounds lighter than Austin Matthews. You've seen him take runs at guys, and he might fall over, but at least he's doing something to stop up the play. But having said that, at least Matthews is playing a two-way game. His face-off skills are coming along. I think he's at 47% right now, so he's continuing to improve. That's pretty good for a rookie. He's only going to get better in that area. And he's actually top, well, tied for the top five in the NHL in terms of shots on goal. He's got 57 shots on goal already. So the goal should just start coming for him. He's been a little snake-bitten lately. Gripping the stick a little too tight. But things should start to turn around for Austin Matthews. We'll see what the Leafs have in store tonight against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Phil Kessel. Always interesting to see the Leafs play against Phil again. Hopefully the Leafs can continue this little streak they're on. Other than that blip against the LA Kings, the Leafs have played really well lately. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens to the Leafs defensive core. Will Corrado finally get in? It's tough to say. This has been the Leafs Lunatic Podcast. I am your host, Josh Blair. Send in your emails to leafslunatic at gmail.com. Tweet us at leafslunatic. We will put your questions, your thoughts on the air. You can even 